0: Aloha and welcome to the Emily T. Gale Show, ESPNHawaii.com. And every year at Resort, I get a chance to say hello to Bob McAlee and his w- lovely wife, Betty. And um, I met Bob probably 15, maybe 20 years ago. Long time. <laughs> and at the time, he was a referee for the NFL. And he had a long career with the NFL from 1976 to 2003. And Bob, you correct me if I've got dates You've wrong. Been up it's up too, but you're 2002. Close. So I I knew Bob was here. He comes to the Montalani Resort every year. And the other day, uh, a mutual friend of ours was at at Bob's door and said, "You know, they're leaving next week." And I said, "Oh my goodness, I haven't had my annual conversation yeah. with with Bob. Uh, I love talking to him each year about." The, the life, he, he lived, lived as an NFL referee, but he, he did it on weekends. He really, he was in uh, heavy construction. Oh, Can, yes. Was it Caterpillar?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, no, we built uh, water water treatment installations and uh, did deep pumping stations for the Army Corps of Engineers, that kind of stuff.
0: And then every uh, weekend we'd head off to an NFL football uh, game for 20-some years. it
1: was, and... Uh, I'm married uh, almost 56 years now, and my wife hasn't thrown me out yet, which is a miracle.
0: <laughs> and you were officiating in some capacity for 41 of those that years. That is
1: correct. And right.
0: 27 of them were with the National Football League, and, right. and uh, Bob was a football player himself. He played for the U.S. Naval Academy and— We're going to get into uh, some of this, but uh, he's going out to dinner tonight, so we're going to not talk as long as we usually do. And I listened to the show I did with Bob last year, and there was so much good information, I'm going to rerun it, and we're going to catch up with what he's been doing of recent. But what I love, Bob, when I listened to last year's show, we talked about replays and things that you thought should be done differently and your feeling about (laughs) replays, and there is a lot of great stuff in there, and, and we will rerun it. I think people will find it very interesting, but... Um, some of the things I do want to ask you about, back in uh, October or whatever, whenever it was when they had the replacement referees, right. Josh Pacheco, who is our program manager at ESPNHawaii.com and does a five-day-a-week show and also broadcasts a lot of games, and he's just a wonderful uh-huh. broadcaster. I, I wish you could have gotten a chance to hear him sometime this year. but. Uh, he wanted to get in touch with you, and we were trying to track you down, and and then eventually I got an email from you, and you were um, on a cruise. It was on
1: a ship, speaking in Europe. When yeah, all that and happened. so that's yes. where
0: you're headed to next week too. So <laughs> update us a little bit. What that sounds. Uh, first of all, it's just wonderful that you and Betty get to take the cruises. But talk about what you're talking about on the cruises, well, and where you're going on this next one, and where you were on the last one.
1: Well, gosh. Uh, it's an opportunity that I was given by the NFL Players Association many years ago uh, when they signed a contract with Norwegian Cruise Line. And they sent players on the Norwegian Cruise Lines, gave Norwegian the right to call them NFL Players Association cruises. Uh, on those cruises, I met Ray Nitschke, in, uh, the Green Bay Packer Hall of Famer. And we became very close, his wife Jackie and and my wife and I. And we did that for a number of years. And when that stopped, uh, Ray and I did them together, just the two of us, for a number of years. Alaska, uh, Scandinavia, Russia, wherever. Unfortunately, we lost Ray to a heart attack probably five or six years ago. I'm sure the Green Bay folks know that. But he was a really neat guy, and I was privileged to be able to do that with him for a number of years. And what we do on the ships uh, is really what we're trying to do here, Emily, and that's give the people things that the press and the uh, media don't give them. Take them inside. Give them an idea what happens in the huddle. What happens when the coach is unhappy? What happens when... Uh, the players are bannering back and forth. We try to bring the people into the game rather than watching the game. And uh, on the ships, I get tremendous reception. I get lots of ladies, which is really surprising. I had the funniest thing happen, I have to tell you. Uh, One day on the cruise, the title of my talk was Superstars because I used to do the Superstars TV show. So everyone walked in, and before the, my talk starts, I always talk to the folks in Arnold. Lady was sitting in the front row, and she said to me, I said, hi, how are you? Fine. She said, uh, well, what uh, constellation are you going to talk about today? She said, I am so interested in the stars and the constellations. And I live." I said, this isn't superstars, super celestial stars. <laughs> This is athletic superstars. <laughs> but I said, but I tell you what, you stay and listen, and you see if you like it. And by golly, she stayed through the whole thing, and she came back for every one I did on the whole oh, cruise. wow,
0: that's Is wonderful. that funny or I love what? that. Is, it, is that
1: funny or Bob what? It's Bob
0: Mackle we were speaking with, yeah. and Bob, again, was a, an official, a football official for 41 years, and 27 of them with the National Football League. Uh, 1976 to 2002, and and the Super Bowls that you did, okay, 1988, 1994, 2000. That
1: is correct. Those three.
0: And you were the head official.
1: That is correct.
0: Uh huh. And I think what's interesting, and it'll be when people hear the show from last year, but you had mentioned in before that you are graded after every
1: oh, every you bet game. You life. every official. and that's how you
0: get to be to that yes. level because they're grading every play, right. every call you make. Every
1: play of the season is graded. So if you work... The number of games that you work is going to get into about 180 plays a year. It's over 3,000 grades a year. The, the films are graded... The game films are graded in New York by a staff of retired officials, retired coaches. Each player... Each official gets a numerical grade for each game. So at the end of the season... The computer spits out the men in each position. I happen to be a referee. There are seven positions, one through 16. If you're number one, you get the Super Bowl. If you're number 16, you're either going to be released or you're going to be given a warning that next year, if you're down there again, we're going to find somebody else. So it's very competitive, uh, and it should be. I think the fans and the teams are entitled to the best that we can find. And that's what we try to give them.
0: And I remember, and people will hear it in the show, but one of the things that you really felt good about during your career that oftentimes they kind of put somebody in your mentorship. Would that be oh, the proper yes. word? You know, and that a couple of those people ended up doing Super Bowls. Oh, sure. You know, so that had to feel pretty good to I take them under your wing.
1: I get a thrill when I see one, someone who came to me out of the colleges And I had a chance to work with him and see him grow and become more mature. Sure, it's wonderful and I still sit today out out of the league 10 years and watch my guys and I root for them because they're, they're special to me. It's not easy to come out of the college game and adapt to the big boys. The pressures are different, the speed is different and it takes hard work and it takes mentorship which Jim Tunney did for me, the great Jim Tunney, who was superintendent uh-huh. of school, city of Hollywood, and one of the great referees ever. I was privileged to start under Jim's command, and he taught me the ropes. And so as the years went by, I tried to do the same thing for other officials that did for me. And that's only good common sense and good common business.
0: Well, that's, that's your nature, you well, know, that he, was
1: Jim's nature, yeah, and I sure as heck he, listened to him. When you're around the best, you listen, and <laughs> you learn.
0: Now, uh, Bob McAlee, I used to be a referee with the NFL, and it's always a delight to see him here every year at the Montalani Resort. We're sitting in a unit, beautiful unit, that overlooks the 15th hole, which is signature 15th hole at Montalani South Course, and, of course, where the Montalani Senior Skins was played for many years. And that was a, a great thing, wasn't it, for all it of us to be able to watch was. that for so many years. And what a view this is, looking out over to the oh, 15th. Oh, yes.
1: We used to watch Arnold Palmer go to that back tee. And if the wind was blowing one way, he'd have a two-iron, if it was blowing another way, he'd have a pitching wedge. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's one of the great holes of golf. Yeah. It really is. Probably
0: one of the most photographed holes in golf, and this is where the final skins, Montalani Senior skins, was won by Gary Player in a playoff. Yes. And I had the most wonderful picture of Gary and his grandson right after that, that win, but those were very special times, and this is, uh, these are very special units. You happen to stay in a unit that's right below the one I'm in, yes. which belongs to some good friends of mine. We now have it on the market, but we've all had a lot of rendezvous here, and we call it the Sunset Ohana. I think sometimes we get a little noisy, but (laughs) it's a happy group that comes up here, isn't it?
1: The Kahala Coast is the best of the best, and I wouldn't journey all the way from, from New Jersey all the way out here every winter if this wasn't the best of the best and it is and
0: how many years have you been coming here probably 20 or 25 I think I nest you about 20 years uh, ago
1: Emily I was I discovered the Hawaiian Islands in the late 50s when I was in the service and for a farm boy from New Jersey to see this I said I'm coming back (laughs) and once we got the kids out of school uh, and once my NFL season was over which could be February could be December it would depend uh, year by year, on how long it lasted, uh, we packed the bags and we shipped over here to monolani
0: Well, when I heard you're leaving tomorrow, I felt kind of kind of bad because uh, you're going to miss the great ukulele festival oh, over at Queen's so, Marketplace. And I see you there every year. You've so always enjoyed fun. that, haven't you? That's With Danny Kalakini, so and, and
1: there's so much tradition and 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 love and uh, beautiful music involved in that, that you can't find that anywhere else in the
0: world. An annual event. Nowhere. And I always used to see you and Nowhere. Betty there each year, oh, so yes. well, you'll be there in spirit when I'm there yes. Saturday morning taking the ukulele lessons. <laughs> so it's Bob Mackle we were speaking with, and uh, Bob and Betty have been, is the, Bob's had been coming to the Big Island of Hawaii for many years, and and since he's retired as an NFL referee, as he said earlier, he's been taking these cruises and giving lectures. Well, you did that before Why, uh, when you were doing that with Ray? Was that at, like after 2003 or something? Or Well, Ray do-
1: and I started doing it actually while I was still an active no official. No kidding,
0: okay. And,
1: and we did it for many years. Uh, when Ray passed away, uh, I kind of stopped doing it, but someone asked me if I would like to do it again, so... Last year, my wife and I spent over three months on the water. Wow. But opportunities to go to Europe, and now we're going to Southeast Asia, uh, are culturally magnificent to give us a Uh chance to find out how people around the world live and how they think, and and also an opportunity for me to kind of relive what I was doing, because on Sunday afternoon, I was in my glory. That was my thing and I get a chance to relive that. We have some beautiful uh, tapes that we look at, and we just talk about football and give the folks a chance to hammer on someone who they may be yelled at for all those years. Really? That, here he is, come and get him. So it's a lot of fun.
0: And and I I think it's just like I love talking to you every year. I love the stories and and you know your enthusiasm and like right now your eyes are just sparkling when you're talking about how much you love that life. So you said there are some of the things that people don't get, you know, by watching the game like what about when the coaches are mad or the players bantering with each other? Give us a little brief overview of some of those conversations that you have for well, the people the, on the show. Some
1: of the conversations I can't repeat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, is, uh, it is fascinating to see uh, the best athletes in the world and how they react to the pressures and how they react to the different things that happen. Uh, and, of course, uh, the game has to be controlled and the game has to be kept safe. And that's no easy task with the size and speed of these fellows today. But we have a lot of fun out there. I think we talked before. Walter Payton used to steal my flag and untie my shoelaces. And, oh, yeah.
0: No, no, I don't remember that story, really.
1: Lots of of stuff goes on out there that people don't know about. That's why Walter was such a great player, because Walter had more fun on Sundays than anybody else on the field. Uh, And I go to speak to kids in schools, and and I tell them, look, I'll give you an example. This guy, his name was Walter Payton. He's one of the greatest players that ever played. You know why? Because he loved what he did. And I tell them, "Your, your parents may be talking to you about being a doctor, a lawyer, a carpenter, whatever. But I'm going to tell you this. If you are like Walter and find something to do with your life that you love to do, you'll be successful. And that was his secret. And he was a fun guy. We lost him at a very young age to a rare liver disease. But he was priceless, that guy. And I loved to go work the Bears because every time I was in Chicago, I had no idea outside of the football game what he was going to do next. I mean, we had a, not a lot of fun with him.
0: Like taking your flag oh, and yeah, your my flag. I had
1: to say it's always he was a piece of work. We had a lot of fun with
0: him. We're talking with Bob McAlee, who spent 27 years as an NFL referee, and three of them with Super Bowls as the head uh, uh, referee. That's correct. And uh, what are some of the things that people are most curious about when you're on these cruises and giving talks? And and, and do men and women come? Do the couples come? Yes, they, so the you...
1: ladies come. Uh, they, they, they like to talk about replay. Replay, of course, is big. They all want to talk about that. Uh, But a lot of it is in the personalities of the fellas and how they react on the field and the things. They love the Walter Payton stuff. Uh, John Madden, of course, was coaching when I was working, and John was a trip on the field. He was a great coach, but he was personality. And they love the different stories about John. And uh, we just talk about all kinds of different things, and uh, we talk
0: about people. And what a nice yeah. opportunity for you to get a chance to share stories. I love the storytelling of people that have done things in the past that, you know, whatever age of people that don't know. I mean, the way footballs yeah. come, you know, even we talked about it last year. You look on the sidelines and you were telling a story about how both teams used to be on the same side.
1: That's right. Up in Minnesota. <laughs> you
0: know?
1: Wow. And was it cold. That's now the Mall of America where yeah, we used to play up and I, there.
0: That's amazing when I re-listened to that today. And that when you think about it, the two teams, because there were so few coaches, but now there's so many coaches with every team and so many people are wow. affiliated with each team. They, they need half a field for their
1: Isn't that amazing?
0: Their, oh, their people that are yeah. with the team.
1: I mean, it's a business that has changed in magnitude beyond all wonder. It really is. But you know what? When you boil it all down, it's still a football game. And that's what I love about it. Yeah, I I don't do it anymore, but somebody blows that whistle and they go at it for about three hours and the best man comes out winning, we hope. And it's our job to keep it fair and safe. So.
0: Now, the change has gone on, and I heard somebody talking the other day, I can't remember what it was, how much they earned in their whole career, and it was just so minuscule compared yes. to somebody. It's the yes. same thing with referees. Has it escalated for the referees it's, of today? It's or, better.
1: But but our guys don't, our guys don't make what basketball, uh, baseball, and hockey get. Uh, they're unionized, those fellas. Uh, uh, we are not. We're just an, an, an association. But our guys traditionally also have other jobs because we can never make enough money uh, working on Sundays to raise their families. So uh, there has been talk across the years about making the NFL officials full time. And I think maybe next year they, I think I hired the, I found that they hired one fellow as a full time guy. Uh, but I, you know, I go both sides of that because uh, let's take Jim Tunney. Now, if, if the NFL officials were full-time officials, Jim has a Ph.D. He would never have left his job as superintendent of school in the city of Hollywood uh-huh. to work for the NFL. Red Cashin, good old Red from Texas, has his own insurance company. He would have never left. I would have never left. Okay. Because uh, if the owners don't like you, we're on one-year contracts. And you leave your business and you go to work for those people, and after one or two years, they fire you or they don't uh-huh. like you. Where are you going then? So, so that's why I think the system works. And, and the other side of the system, I think, that's so important, is that they get men like uh, like Red, and Jim Tunney, and Jerry Mark Bright, and Bob and McElwee, Ed, and, <laughs> and Ed Hockley. Well, you don't have to yep. talk about me, but they are respected in their communities for what they do in the business world and the philanthropic world and what they mean to their people in their area and they bring that on Sunday uh-huh. onto the field representing the NFL. I think the owners are are very very fortunate. I think that's an asset that they have that is a big part of making their game as attractive as it is, uh-huh. and I may sound like I'm soapboxing, but that's really the way I feel. So once they
0: go full time,
1: it it's changes going to be the
0: kind of person you're going to get.
1: Well, yeah, I, and I'm not saying yeah. they won't be just as good, or the reason somebody gets into it. A lot of the officials in, in hockey, basketball, and baseball are good friends of mine. That's not yeah. my point. My point is you have a double-faceted, right? And you can argue, well, because they're double-faceted, they won't be as good at it. You can choose whether you want to believe that or not. I'm telling you, I don't think they'd be any better one way or another. Well,
0: if somebody's grading every call you make, and, you know, like you said, you've got to be good you, or you they be good, me, and know? that's
1: the way it should be.
0: And uh, speaking of, you know, doing things in your community, you were the co-founder of a, an organization that you're, you know, very uh, committed to uh, renew.
1: We, we renew. We provided the opportunity for folks who were renting bad housing. To be able to buy that housing. And we got the banks to help us subsidizing mortgages. We took took them out of their houses, rebuilt the houses, put them back in. And their monthly payments to buy the house were less than they had been paying to rent the rat trap. Wow. And, and we did that uh, in, in a bad city. Uh, in in uh, New Jersey, Camden, where I was born, and tried to help them get out of trouble. And uh, I think all of us, I also sit as a trustee on a hospital board, but if you don't find a way, in my judgment, to give back when the world's been as good as it's been to me, you've got a major problem. That's the way I feel about it.
0: Now you give so much credit to your your wife Betty, you know, for how wonderful <laughs> she was raising she had to the, be. the family. Yes. And tell us a little bit about your family. And, and I know your uh, Scott, your son, has been refereeing uh, college games. He does the Big games. Ten.
1: Yeah, he does and, the Big Ten, and he loves it. Yep.
0: And is he looking to move on to? No,
1: a, he loves the college game.
0: And I remember what you said. What he loves is he's home on the weekends. He's home. Well, or he's Sunday. home on, Sunday, on but Sunday. We never
1: were. Uh, but he loves a college game. And, you know, I go to his games, and I love it too. The kids, the 300-piece bands, the enthusiasm. You go to Wisconsin or you go to Nebraska or you go to Penn State or whatever. Wow. I mean, it's, we, in the NFL, we have the greatest players in the world. But the enthusiasm and the participation of the kids in the college game is out of sight. It really is. And and if you listeners have never been to a major college football game, do it. And don't go out to get a hot dog at halftime. Watch the band. Yeah, we
0: spent uh, growing the up band. going to uh, University of Michigan games. So. Oh, yeah, in <laughs> Ohio incredible State. Incredible place that I was, that was just,
1: yeah. And, and I'm not criticizing the West Coast because they have great football too.
0: Now you were talking about uh, replays earlier but when Josh Pacheco, you know, wanted to get in touch with you this fall and you were on one of your cruises giving talks and, and enjoying seeing, sharing your life stories with people and also learning about how people live other places. Uh, how did you feel about the uh, replacement referees and and what any comment about what that? Well,
1: they did the best they could, but they weren't qualified to be there. And I don't think the NFL did a very good job of handling that at all. Uh, and obviously, in the end, uh, they had to hire the regular officials back. You can't work at that level. You can't even go into that level as a new official, into the NFL, and really be good and effective for two or three or four years. That's a different thing.
0: Do you think they thought it would work, or what do you think was... I can't going? speak for them, yeah. Emily,
1: and I won't speak and for them. And you speak
0: highly of Roger Goodell, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: they're good people. There was just... In my judgment, highly mishandled. Those men, those replacement men were not qualified to be doing what they were doing, in my judgment.
0: And when you were watching, did you see some of those games? Were you on the ship all the time? You no, know, the
1: reason you? I didn't was I was over in Europe yeah, speaking so on, a, on a ship, and then the people would hear about things, and they'd get after me and say, what about this, what about <laughs> that? I'd say, I, I can't help you because I wasn't there. But the replacement guys did the best they could. Uh huh. It wasn't their fault. They just were...
0: Where did they come from, the replacement I guys? I have no idea. Oh, interesting. So they weren't from college they ranks? Weren't the or major
1: range? Go- no, the major guys oh. weren't working. I'm sure they were all uh, committed to their major yeah. college schedules. Sure.
0: It's the Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPNHawaii.com, and we're speaking with Bob McElwee. Who's got his last day here on the Big Island? He comes oh, every year gosh. for over 20 years. He's been coming and staying at Montalani Resort with his wife Betty, and and they're they're taking off tomorrow to go on a cruise where he also gives a lot of talks, as we've been saying. So, yeah. just a little bit about uh, oh, I know I wanted to ask you Jerry Green. Did you ever meet Jerry Green? He was a writer with the Detroit in Detroit. He covered every Super Bowl.
1: I'm afraid I have not.
0: Including this last one. So that's a lot of Super Bowls he's covered. I think there's only a couple writers that have covered every every Super right? Bowl. Yeah. yeah. So I've had uh, some chats with, with uh, Jerry. But I'm, I haven't asked him. I'm going to have to ask him about you because I'm sure he remembers Bob McElwee. So that will be fun to, to get his feedback on it. But he's a, he's a pretty, uh, what do I want to say, one of the old kind of writers, you know, from the old, like Jim Murray and Joe Falls yeah. and, you know, people of the old school, exactly. You see a difference in that, in the writers? Because, of course, you've read a lot of you know, sports columns over I the years. You know, I do
1: interface with them.
0: Uh-huh. But you read their so, work? and Oh, yeah,
1: I read their work. Uh, well, it's a different game today, and, and it has to be analyzed and covered in a different way. But as I said before, it's a football game. It all boils down. You can, you can get as excited as you want about this, that, or whatever. When they kick out football, it's just plain old football game. Uh-huh. And that's what I loved about
0: it. And you grew up playing football? Oh, sure. You know, I, uh,
1: was in my, I was in my element on the field. Okay. Yes. And
0: you played center for U.S. Uh, Naval Academy?
1: Center and linebacker. In my day, you okay. played both ways. If you left the field when I was playing college football, you could not come back till the next quarter. So it wasn't two-platoon like you see today. You played both ways. Oh, wow. I and no you know. face masks when I played. No yeah. bars. Yeah. No. That, that's <laughs> Nothing. Just,
0: that reminds me of, like, I used to watch a lot of hockey games where nobody wore a face right. mask. You know, no. <laughs> I loved hearing stories yeah. about that. No. Yeah. So let's talk just a little bit, Bob McAlee, uh, NFL referee for... 27 years with the National Football League, and, of course, 41 years he did uh, football officiating from high school and stuff. I think we have a mutual friend, Joe Theismann. Oh, I think yes. you said you never you never uh, refereed one of Joe's games when he was in high school because he's from New Jersey too, right? Right.
1: I did in the pros. but in the pros, but not uh, in high school. we missed Joe. Joe used to come over here to Lani. We had a lot, lot of fun. Yeah, we played
0: yeah. a lot of golf together. We miss him, but yeah.
1: he's, a, he's a fine guy and also has done a great job in announcing. Yeah. And- I see him once in a while.
0: Well, I can't wait to talk with Joe and tell him I'm now hitting the three wood because I, you know, when we were playing here, I I didn't even carry a three wood, and he was <laughs> he would get on me, put that three wood in your bag, and make me hit it, and I now yeah. it's one of my favorite clubs. That's he just, great. He's a real competitor, and he, he oh, taught is that? he taught me some things for sure when we go mad. out and play in the late afternoons. But yeah. your visit here on the uh, the Big Island, and when you come to Maunalei, you ride bikes and. When I saw uh, Mac and Millie, what's, what's Mac's uh, last name? Morris. Morris, Mac and Millie. I, they're just Mac and Millie to me. Right. And uh, he said, oh, we went hiking the other night or took a walk, and it was real windy, and they're out riding their bikes, and you and Betty, and talk a little bit about some of the things. You're, of course, you're golfers. You, you play with the Montalani Group every week. We and play with a Some of the things that you do while you're here on the Big Island. Well,
1: obviously, golf is a big attraction, and uh, we do ride our bicycles. We get down to Puaco, and sometimes we ride them through the hills down to Hapuna. And uh, we get down to Kona once in a while and, and play golf down at the Kona Country Club. And Oh, it's just it's just such a magical place. Uh, Betty and I are involved in uh, Uncle Billy Mitchell's little church up in Waimea. We're very involved in it.
0: So that would be uh, con- Billy Mitchell, who's also down at Huala Wai Resort. That is correct,
1: yeah. and he's a special person. He does so much for the young kids uh, now they're trying to build a new building so the kids after school can come and do their homework with supervision and, you know, get them away from some of the bad elements that our kids have to deal with today. Uh, He's a special guy, and his congregation is full of special people.
0: He is a special guy. I've I've meant for a long time to get up there and and get to a service, and and I'm going to do that. You Uh, should
1: do yourself a favor because he's... And he has some humor with his religion, which is huh. You know, he's right down to earth where he should be. Yeah. Uh, he certainly uh, uh, is a different kind uh, in the way he approaches uh, his sermon, but he's not different in the way he approaches people. If they need help, he's there. And that's the way he yeah, is. Yeah,
0: he's got a wonderful heart, and yes, and he I is. just I love seeing him at the Mitsubishi Electric Championship at Hawaii. He yeah. brings a nice spirit to it. Did you get down there this year? We did. Okay.
1: Yeah, and of course Billy had all those gals down there dressed in their uh gowns and all and then with the playoff they had to go back yeah and they they, they, wait for more hose and then come back what I bob's talking so... about
0: is uh in the <laughs> they, every year they come out with the hula halau and it's just so beautiful and the yeah. limb family music and and uh billy mitchell and there was a, a playoff between john cook and uh, david frost I and mean, everybody thought it was going to be over and the ceremony would start and they so beautiful they come out on the 18th green and and uh, But there was a playoff two holes, and yeah. they had to go off the green. But it's always beautiful, isn't it? What it, a great it is, presentation.
1: It, it's beautiful. Uh, it's Hawaii. It's their tradition. So you it's, it's uh,
0: very special, you know, to have you come here every year. Well, and
1: s- thank you. It's special for us to be here.
0: And I, I always love seeing you and Betty, you know. You, and she's actually become a pretty good golfer, hasn't she? Oh, yeah.
1: Unfortunately, <laughs> she beats me. That's a bad thing. But, no, she enjoys the people. She enjoys the people, and I think that's what drives us as we go around the world speaking on the ships, too.
0: And what a nice thing, you know, you're being able to spend so much time together now. Yes. You're just making up for a lot of, a lot of time that you, those, a lot of those weekends that you didn't have date night, huh? <laughs> well,
1: well, for about 40 years, uh, we had no Saturday nights, no weekends for uh, seven months of uh-huh. the year. I just wasn't there. And I worked all week. Yeah. So she pretty much raised the kids and did a great job So you
0: have it. Scott and... Have Scott,
1: Tommy, and Suzanne. We okay. have three, six grandkids. They're all great kids. Some in Memphis, some up in northern New I know New you Jersey. miss them when
0: you're over here, don't you? Oh, sure yeah. we miss
1: them. I know all their athletics, as all the yeah. listeners know. And there's never a better player than your grandchild. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's baseball, <laughs> basketball, swimming, or what. Yours is the best. That's a, that's a privilege of being a grand and grandparent,
0: Bob. You're looking so healthy, the two of you. And well, and how nice, you. and you know, Mac and Millie, the same thing. What a delight, huh? That you've made so many friends over here. We have,
1: we have. I think we have more friends here than we do at home. Uh-huh. To be honest with you,
0: that's the that's yeah. the special thing about coming to yes. the resort. And there are people like the group that comes up here for the. I call it the Sunset Ohana that comes and enjoys <laughs> this C204 overlooking yeah. the. There's 15th green and stuff—they're all people that have either bought at Montalani and, and maybe upgraded, and some have moved to Kakeo and stuff. But they all come back here, and they're—they're they're life. They've all become lifelong friends, and I yeah. feel so blessed because I've met so many of them, and they've become my friends too. And yeah. that happens, doesn't it? Each yep, year, that's what Hawaii—the Ohana is. grows.
1: It's people. Yeah. It's friendly people, and that's why. It's what makes it so special.
0: It's Bob McElwee we've been talking with, and again, uh, NFL referee for 27 years from 1976 to 2002. He uh, was the head referee for the Super Bowl three times 1988, 1994, and in 2000. And uh, you, you, you have tapes of those. Do you ever watch those when you were refereeing or anything? Or your kids watch them or the grandkids? I guess
1: they do uh-huh. some, Emily. I guess I'm a, I'm a one-and-done guy. I'm, you, I'm you've been there, tomorrow. done that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm interested in tomorrow. Uh-huh. You know, it was a great privilege. I mean, it's, it's almost unimaginable to walk out on the field and know that the game that you're officiating is the biggest game uh, in, in, in the history of the sport for that year, and it's going to China, and it's going to Russia, and you're the boss. You're driving yeah. the truck. I mean, it's a feeling that uh, you just can't really explain. But the responsibility goes with it. Yeah. And, and, and you have to be properly prepared, and you have to do it right. And fortunately for me, the good Lord took me through three of them, and I got out of them without a major problem. A lot of quick decisions.
0: Me. As you said, how many plays a game?
1: 180 now. Yeah, so. It used to be about 165.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. So there's a lot of decisions to make very quickly where, like you said, the eyes of the world are on you. Right. And it's interesting because you're not wearing a helmet or something, so you're <laughs> very recognizable, right? So yeah. people are walking through an airport, hey, I saw you make that call. Well, Bob, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. you.
1: My hey. pleasure, Emily, and my pleasure to be back here in this beautiful place, and good Lord willing, we'll be back next year.
0: Well, we thank you, and uh, it's the Emily T. Gale show here on ESPNHawaii.com, and it's such a pleasure to talk with Bob. We're going to run the conversation I had with him last year now because there were a lot of interesting things in there. So when we're referring to things like the place kicker, or the kicker that missed the, the kick, do <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. Uh, Billy Camden, or no, what was his name? Panda <clears throat> or something. Kandiff. Well, Kandiff, be- okay. yeah, and uh, I remember in the show we talk about how he said he – he changed his pre-shot routine or he didn't stick to it, mm-hmm. and we got talking about that. A lot of interesting things in the show. So, again, Bob McElwee uh, enjoying or leaving tomorrow, but he's had a great a couple of months here at the uh, Mauna Resort where he comes every year, he and his wife, Betty, and I've, I'm just delighted to get a chance to see them every year and get a chance to talk to them for the Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPNHawaii.com. Thanks, Our Bob. Our pleasure, Emily. Our we, pleasure. We both stay. Aloha. Aloha. So that was uh, Bob McElwee, NFL referee for 27 years, three Super Bowls and head referee as well. And his final game was the Pro Bowl in 2003. So he's been visiting Mauna Resort for many years. I've known his wife, Betty, and Bob for a long time. And a lot of us have enjoyed the years of them coming here and him telling stories. And uh, just knowing that guy that was out there on the field all those years, that was it's always been a lot of fun. Uh, But they've really got involved in the community in terms of they've made so many friends. As Bob said earlier, he thinks they have more friends over here than they do back in New Jersey now. So it's good to see them every year. He's off on some celebrity and the the cruises where he he speaks and and they love it. I think he said they were going to Singapore. Um, I'm going to run in a few minutes the show from last year because there was so much in it that is really interesting from the perspective of someone who spent 27 years as an NFL referee. But first, um, I do want to mention uh, we were up in Unit 204, which overlooks the 15th hole, this beautiful signature ocean hole at at Montalani Resort, and it's where Gary Player won the final senior skins. And with the Masters coming up, there'll be a lot of talk of the – those guys, uh, Jack and Arnold and Gary and and uh, Lee Trevino and all of them. We were also blessed to be able to watch them play here in the Montalani Senior Skins. Eleven years they were here, and uh, C204 overlooks that a lot of history. Uh, it's on the market, rarely on the market. I'm a realtor with Gohala State Realty. I have the listing. Friends of mine and I've I spent a lot of time on the lanai of this unit with the Sunset Ohana, I call it, or we all call ourselves people that gather in the evenings. And this is a wonderful spot. So just uh, to let you know, you can go to emilys.org and find out more about this this unit being on the market and uh, about Montalani Point. So also a big mahalo to viaja River Coffee. I couldn't find the coffee to give it to Bob every year. I give him some coffee, and then I, I found it after he went down to his unit, and I hung it on his door. So it's always nice to keep the tradition of putting some Viaja River coffee in the hands of uh, Bob and Betty McAlee. And so I thank them, Chick Dynan, Earl Kunataki, the Kunataki Ohana, they won the People's Choice Award three times and a second place several times up at the Halualoa Art and Coffee Stroll. So, com. Dino will ship it out anywhere in the world. com. But better yet, go up to the sweet little town of Halualoa. Enjoy all the all the artists there. It's just a great, wonderful little town. Old-time Hawaii. And uh, blending nicely with, you know, some changes that are happening but one of them that's nice is the street is a little bit wider and you can walk nicely along the street as you enjoy the community so buy a Hover River Coffee pick it up at Dinah's she's right next to Paul's Place and across from the post office in Loa Gallery and uh, pick up some coffee you'll probably walk away with some avocados or something because they've always got a lot of everything there so now I'm going to run this show with Bob McElwee, uh, NFL referee for 27 years, just sharing some stories that we don't ordinarily get to hear about. This was last year's show, but there's a lot of good stories in there about the the life of an NFL referee. Here on the Emily T Gale show, espnhawaii.com. Well, you you know, it used to be I think when you were in your refereeing days with the NFL, you didn't get to stay as long as you do now. No,
1: no, I didn't, but now my wife and get to- And I get to enjoy this magnificent place and just a great group of people out here. Those who have never traveled to the Hawaiian Islands have no idea what they're missing.
0: We're overlooking the fifteenth, the infamous fifteenth hole, par three, probably more, most one of the most photographed holes in golf. And we're looking for Arnold Palmer and Gary Fla- Player and Jack Nicklaus and they all played in the uh, senior skins here for Ray eleven Floyd, years. they yeah. sure
1: did. And uh, Don Shula, who was a very famous football coach, he played obviously in the pro am. Everybody knows him, uh, and I've become friends with Don. I don't know when I was officiating how much Don liked me. <laughs> But he used to come with Ray Floyd. Roy Floyd was his good friend. And he used to come each year when they played the pro, the uh, senior skins here. Yeah, And I was lucky enough to see that a few times.
0: And that was, uh, of course, Ray Floyd won six times. And his caddy at the time was Steve Williams, who was the Tiger's right? caddy for so long. And I remember Steve real well because he would always hang in the press room and he was very humble. Was I, I used to enjoy him so much, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But he had that kind of a humble confidence <laughs> of course we've yeah, seen that yeah, side yeah. of it come out when he's done with tiger but yeah, he's yeah. he's uh, been on a lot of bags in his career uh-huh. as well but i remember uh gary player won the last senior skins it was here right out here in the 15th hole in the playoff yeah. and that was a wonderful wonderful day but bob mackleby what a you know one to we have we've talked uh as i say over the last couple of years we've had a ch- chance to talk story and i listened to one of the shows this morning, I thought, "Wow, I know why I love talking to Bob because it wasn't really about football as much as it was about one your gratitude about having had that opportunity. You, you had a full time job in heavy construction. <laughs> you owned a company, right? I sure do. Heavy did. construction, and then you'd go off on the the weekends to do your career. So let's let's go back to, you know, you you played some football yourself. You played at the Naval I Academy. Did. Let's give our listeners a little little background.
1: Well, I did play at the Naval Academy. One of my coaches was Bill Belichick's dad, Steve. So I knew Bill Belichick when he was in a baby carriage, which is pretty interesting.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But uh, yes, I played football at the Naval Academy. And when I went home and started to uh, try to develop a business, I really missed the action on Saturdays and Sundays and started refereeing little Pop Warner kids. And one thing led to another. and. When I was about 38 years old, I believe, the NFL uh, called me and uh, I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to referee football. I've refereed football in Dublin, NFL football, Dublin, Ireland, and Berlin, Germany, obviously here in beautiful Hawaii.
0: That was the Pro Bowl. Uh, You did the Pro Bowl in 2003, right? That was your last Pro Bowl. A few of
1: them. And as you said, Emily, an awesome opportunity to be a part of something so very, very special and yet so competitive. And I think I would not have sacrificed all of the hours of my life and the time away from my kids uh, if it had not been for such a unique challenge because these guys are big and they're fast and unless you have yourself properly prepared physically and mentally, you'll never make it. And I must have been okay because I lasted 27 years and uh, it was a wonderful wonderful experience
0: well not only did you last 27 years but you did uh you're one of just a few that that uh did three or more Super That's Bowls correct. and you were the head referee if That's, I recall for...
1: that is correct the Doug Williams Super Bowl uh the middle one was Troy Aikman and uh Jim Kelly with the Buffalo Club and then the last one was Dick Vermeil and uh, Tennessee that ended on the one-foot line. That was the
0: one with Steve McNair? That was with okay.
1: McNair. Uh, and uh, I ran into Jeff Fisher shortly after that game, and Jeff said to me, you know, I really missed the boat. He said, I was on the competition committee, and he said, I really should have had the field shortened to 99 yards.
0: <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, I think what, uh, some of the things that I remember you telling me in the past when we've had conversations was that, that you had been an avid reader as as a – youth and in college and stuff. But when you started becoming an NFL referee, all your time was spent reading and learning the rules and, and, you know, getting ready when you'd get on that plane on Friday night and go to all the, you know, major cities and and around the world, of course, refereeing you would, you know, that's what you were focused on because you knew you had to be ready. And I, I love the way you said it, you know, so often everybody, when they're on TV in the morning, whether it's Katie Couric or Matt Lauer, who they've got scripts, and when, as a referee, when you went running down that field and you had to announce to the world on TV and 80,000 fans, you had no script and you had to be quick with the decisions. And, and talk about that, how you would talk with your team because you traveled with the same team for about a year, right? Yes,
1: they would Referees. change them sometimes at the end of the year into the next year, but uh, sure, the uh, the Katie Curicks of the world, you know, they're looking up there and they're reading a script, but the referee in the NFL, when something happens and it's not pretty, he finds out right then and there, and everybody all over the world who's watching wants an answer. And the best way to approach that is to have yourself so properly prepared and so cemented into the fundamentals and the, uh, all of the things that are in the rule book that you've got the best chance of having an accurate answer. Nobody has all the answers life doesn't work that way and let's face it the NFL and that's why we all love it so much it's just like life you never know what's going to happen and my gosh this year in the in the playoffs with oh my goodness with those games that turned on such tiny things and we sit here and remember that the very last play in the Super Bowl could have produced a different winner so it was a great privilege for me to be able to do that work, and uh, they're still doing a great job with it, and I enjoy the NFL very much.
0: We're talking with Bob, Bob is, uh We're at the beautiful Montalani Resort where Bob gets a chance to spend some time with his wife, Betty, as they have for many years, and riding your bikes and playing golf and all that kind of thing, but... Uh, you obviously love sports. As we were walking up the stairs here, you asked me if I'd watch the Duke North Carolina oh, game. I did goodness. go to school at the University of North Carolina. I don't know if I told you that. Oh my! But goodness. so sports is such a big part of your life, and and um, you know you said you started uh, coaching uh, Pop Warner before you got into the NFL. But That's it was right. I get the sense that it was the just mentoring young people yes. and and being a part of a sport that wasn't just about athletics, about about right. everything, leadership, and right. talk about that.
1: Well, it's, it's so important and back in New Jersey, I'm a part of a scholar-athlete supporting group where we tend not only to try to idolize the kid who can run the fastest and hit the hardest, we're looking for the young man who does his studies, gets himself properly prepared because the bottom line is once these youngsters stop playing, whether it's at the end of their college career or the end of their high school career. They've got to go out and make the contribution to the world. And if they're not academically prepared, it's a problem. So we feel very strongly, and I do, and that's why I'm part of that group, that academics is just as important as how fast they can run and how far they can throw the ball. So we try to push that, and we give some scholarships to kids who are not good enough to have the colleges chasing them down the road and saying, you've got four years here, we're going to pay for it. We're also interested in the young man who's an overachiever and doesn't have all the athletic skills, but he's the guy someday that's going to do something great uh, to support humanity. So. I'm a strong believer in that sort of thing.
0: So you see a difference from, you know, 20, 30 years ago just in the the emphasis on academics, the emphasis on uh, other aspects of being in sport than there were years ago? Because I even see it with the the Y State Junior Golf Association. They really put an emphasis on on a lot more things than than we were learning in junior golf.
1: Well, sure, and let's, you know, let's be honest about it. You look at the world we're in today— and how important education is, I think all of us are much more aware today than we ever were of how important it is for our kids to get the proper education. It's become more and more important and I think it's been revealed much more because of the internet and the fact that all of us from India to Japan to the United States, we're all linked together now, we really are.
0: And, you know, you about kids being prepared and and when I looked up your, you know, kind of background, you had there were a lot of testimonials when I Googled and the testimonials were one that you were fair and the other was that you knew what you were doing. But that didn't come (laughs) from just, you know, reading the rule book that came from applying yourself a little bit more, a little bit beyond and that's really what it takes today, to, isn't it? Oh, sure. Whether it's in the sport or in the academics. It doesn't,
1: doesn't make any difference. If you build the proper foundation and you properly prepare yourself, it doesn't matter what business you're gonna be in, you're gonna be successful. But don't try to get there without that foundation underneath you and without a reasonable education behind you because you're gonna have a tough road.
0: Did you have some people? Because I remember last year you talked about uh, the NFL that you were put under. Was it Jim Tunney?
1: Jim Tunney, Tunney. was my first kind of your mentor referee. and your he first. He was my mentor.
0: Okay, and then later on in your career, talking with Bob Al, uh, Bob McElvie, who was an NFL referee for 27 years and a, a football ref, official for 41 years. Right, forty one that's correct. And you said that later on that that the NFL would have you have a few people on your team that maybe they were, you know, could have been cut from uh, being referees, but they said, you know, Bob, work with this person. And they some of them ended up being in the Super Bowl.
1: Oh, that's But they right. had a
0: mentor, you know, someone like yourself that it right. took someone that had some capability and probably just needs some shoring up in certain areas. Right. And you talked about running down the field, and you always hate it when the, the huddle of the referees are, <laughs> are, you know, trying to figure something out, and you're just like, know your rules. You don't have to do that.
1: That should be that way. And I was so proud last week because three different fellows, the two guys in the line of scrimmage and the deep center fielder, Those three men who worked the Super Bowl last week were guys that I trained.
0: Would that be John uh, Perry? Was he one of them? No,
1: he was a referee, and I did not train John. I trained the two line of scrimmage guys and the deep center fielder. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jim did that for me. When I walked into the National Football League, I was so awed by what I was seeing with the Kenny Stablers and the Franco Uh Harrises and those people. I thought, wow, what is this? And Jim was so assuring, he said, look, You're here because we see things in you that are special and we think you can help the NFL be a better league. And so he was patient with me and he brought me along. And obviously I became a referee and and had a good career. So as I got into my later years, I had lots of fellows that came to me that would have things happen to them early in their career that would discourage them. And I would say the same thing to them. Jim said to me, you're here because we think you're special. Just keep preparing yourself properly, keep plugging away, and you're going to make it. Now, as a lot of people don't know, some of the guys don't make it. And in the NFL, uh, every official is graded on every play. 165 plays a game. That's about 3,500 plays a year, I guess. And those grades all go into the computer. So at the end of the year, the computer spits out in each position, referee 1 through 16, umpire 1 through 16, headlinesman 1 through 16. So you want to be at the top. You don't want to be at the bottom. And who's grading it? Oh, a group of retired officials and retired coaches have a large room in New York with huge screens, eight of them. Wow. They watch every play of every game. And that's why, not that I was so lucky, but it's so special to be selected for a Super Bowl because that means for that year, you were the best.
0: They had what, confidence at, in you being what out you there. did. Aha. Uh-huh. Do you remember the point in your career where you kind of went from that being a little nervous and, <laughs> and awestruck of the Kenny Staplers <laughs> to, many times to you where to t- you kind of, or was that throughout your career? You had sometimes you felt more confident well, than others or? Well, I think all of us
1: in our jobs, yeah. in our handling of our children, have our good moments and our bad uh-huh. moments. And it's no officiating in the NFL is just like life. It really is. Sure, there were times when I flew back across the country uh, from a game in Seattle, back to New Jersey where I live, from a game in Seattle or San Francisco or San Diego, and would be sitting on the airplane on that all-nighter trying to sleep and thinking about a play in the game that I didn't handle very well. And say, how in the world could you do that? But that's it. So you have the same self-talk. And you learn from your mistakes, Uh and you try not to make that same mistake again. But those guys are so big and so fast, and they're so quick, that it's absolutely impossible for you to get everything right. The challenge is, get most of them right.
0: I'm just amazed at the amount of energy and and you know that referees need to have to keep up with it all. Um, you and I were talking earlier about the Super Bowl recently, and Bob Costas had a show which I thought was very good. He had a couple coaches. I he had saw a, it and enjoyed The one it. thing that I felt he was missing, and I thought I'd send an email or something, it would be interesting to have some referees and have them reflect because I uh-huh. really loved hearing the reflections of Dick Vermeil and who was it, Tony. Uh, Dun, Dungey.
1: Yeah, Tony Dungey, Dungey was and there. And who was the
0: other? I can't remember the other one. But, uh, uh, Don Chula was, was it? No. It
1: was Harbaugh, the the Ravens coach.
0: Oh, that's right. Uh, John Harbaugh. And
1: I was so impressed with he, him.
0: I was too. And he was funny, but he, he was, was so articulate, respectful.
1: He was articulate. Uh, if the league can have young people in the same model that John Harbaugh and his brother out in San Francisco come, this league's going to be very healthy. But Jim? Yeah. I was so impressed with him. I agree with on
0: you. On that panel, it was yes. really wonderful. Now, some yes. of the questions they asked, which I thought was really interesting, was um, if you could change one thing about the game, what would it be?
1: I would give the same answer that Dick Vermeil did, and it's interesting coming from me. And what Dick said was, I'm sick of sitting home at, on Sunday and just watching the referees. Dick thinks that the game is over-officiated today, Bob McElwee thinks the game is over-officiated today. Now you have to understand that the finite accuracy of the television camera has put the official much more in the presence of the game because the camera shows so much, but I think what we have to do is understand that it's still a game and the human eye can only see so much. That official out there doesn't have any machine in his head. And I think sometimes we get to the point where we're wanting to officiate so much that we're losing the flow of the game. Football's an emotional game. The football flows. Uh, clubs are driving the ball and the defense can't get a substitution in because they don't have any timeouts left. And, 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 and then you have this instant replay business used and this, up their
0: challenge and, and things yeah, like yeah. that stopping the game
1: yeah. the flared player, players are all standing around the referees under the hood the officials are all standing around uh, instant replay is here to stay and it serves its purpose but basically I agreed 100% with Dick Vermeel's comments and that's pretty interesting because Dick was the coach in the in the Super Bowl that he won and I was a referee in that same Super Bowl
0: Pretty and interesting. So how would that happen? Would it be not calling as many, having, letting a few more calls go? Well, of course, now they're trying to say, you know, that, I mean, his words were, uh, and he's 75 years old. You're, we're talking with Bob McElvey, who, who spent 27 years with the NFL, and he, he um, refereed three Super Bowls, one of only a handful of people to do that, where he gets to now play a little golf, bike, and talk to all of us about some football stories, which we love talking to him about. But Dick Vermeule said, yeah, given his answer just like you said give the officials they've given the officials so many things to call the game is so fast it's too hard for them to keep up with the game i feel like we're watching officials play and what a what a load on the officials Well
1: my comments emily are i'm going to be very basic and simple let the players play that's always been my thing let the players play you have to be careful that you don't overanalyze everything there are things that are extremely important like personal fouls like uh, any action that clearly takes an advantage away from the opponent but let's leave it at that let's not be Uh nickel-dime ticky-tacky and and I could go on and on and on uh, but that's just my feeling. And, I, and as I said before, I think the television industry has pushed the official into this kind of a situation. But I think we've got to let these guys play more.
0: And maybe they'll end up having something to do with, with having that change a little bit. Because I thought that panel was really very, very effective. More of that kind of discussion where, you know, that isn't just about the players.
1: Dick said the same thing I said. That isn't that interesting? Yeah, because when he said that, I was 3,000, 6,000 miles away from him, and I was a referee, and he was a coach, and he was from the West Coast out of UCLA, and I was from the East Coast out of the Naval Academy, and there's two guys who were both in the game for 40-some years saying the same thing.
0: Pretty interesting. From experience, yeah, very much so. Now, they showed some film clips Mm -hmm. or some tape from... uh, prior years probably in the 60s or 70s or something and it, they looked like the sidelines look like a high school football game in fact they even <laughs> mentioned that right there were very few coaches on the sidelines and, and Vermeil <laughs> said he was the first to have 10 coaches yeah, You know, now that. there's like 20 30 right and yeah. th- that was very interesting to me because then I reflected oh I remember being at Lions games and yeah you know, I hung around some some players and stuff so you sort of you were close to it and you saw that it, it, yeah. it didn't look anything like it, it does now One, did you ever referee in Detroit Oh yes, the it's, Tiger Stadium.
1: No, no, my, I was at the Silver Dome. Oh, at the Silver Dome. Okay. I used to work out at uh, out at Minnesota's home field, which is where the Mall of America sure. now sits. And what was interesting was that both benches were on the same side of the field.
0: Huh.
1: That's when Bud Grant was at Minnesota, but both benches on the same field. So uh, if, as Vermeil said, there were maybe, when he started, maybe uh, six coaches and he, he went to 10, with all the coaches they have today and all the benches they on need, the same side, they need side, the whole
0: field. <laughs> it would, it would,
1: there wouldn't be any more room from yeah. goal line to goal line.
0: So it's pretty amazing, you know, like everything. I love the history of things. I like to flash back and talk about, you know, what things were like in its day and everything. and. And the just, well, let's see, what, what would have been one of the larger stadiums at that time that you would have, you know, because there have well, been an awful lot of, over the years, uh, stadiums that are built to accommodate yeah. more people.
1: I, mean, sir. I officiated, Jim Tunney was a referee and I was the line judge. Opening game of 1976 was the first game ever played in the Meadowlands Stadium, which has now been replaced with a new sure. Meadowlands Stadium. They seeded 80-some thousand there, and I'm trying to think back. Well, the Superdome was there when I started in the league, and they have 80-some thousand in that place. Uh, There were some big ones. Uh, I think in some cases now, the change has been more in the ability to uh, make the stadium more attractive and comfortable to the fans. And also tremendous increases in the dressing rooms and that sort of right. thing. But uh, we don't have too much more size today. Uh, one that changed dramatically was uh, old RFK, RFK Stadium in Washington, is now FedEx Field. And FedEx Field is huge. I know that's, that has to sheet way up in the 80s. And, it, it and
0: uh, Where it's changed so much is like even uh, Detroit used to be Tiger Stadium and there were pillars in front of you yeah, and, all yeah. of the, and all you have was you walked in you went up the ramps you went into your seats and nowadays yeah. this is like what like uh ford field in detroit or mike illich has done with Comerica fight park for detroit tigers they're entertainment centers well sure and they're and designed and so families can go and do something sure. other than just watch football right and as you know <laughs> what I'm, do you think of that
1: i'm in the well i'm in the construction business and our changes in materials that are used for construction today the space pro- program has a lot to do with this, but developments of different types of materials allow us to build these stadiums now without pillars being in people's way, because we now we have tremendous strengths in uh-huh. materials, and a computer to analyze our design so that we know what we can do, so that's had a lot to do with it. See, uh, I never
0: thought of that aspect as lending itself yeah. to having that be able to happen. Oh
1: yeah, but you, you lose some color and some tradition when you change. I used to go to RFK and work Dallas when Jimmy Johnson and, well, when Tom Landry was the coach. And they would come to Washington when Joe Gibbs was there. That was that was uh, Jimmy Johnson and Joe Gibbs. Some years, those clubs were both undefeated, three-quarters of the way through the year. And they had the old redskin band, which added a college uh-huh. touch. Sure. And it was smaller, the D.C. Stadium. It was dynamite. I, just I went to a Green Bay book.
0: game once in the winter time, and that was yeah. like a, that and, was like a high school game. <laughs> yeah,
1: and Green Bay as a case unto itself because the people own the football club. Uh, literally. And, oh yes, Green Bay is owned by the
0: fans. I did not know that. I mean, I know that they're oh, heavily. Yeah. Uh, Uh, The the fans, the people in the city own the stock. I did not know that. That's an interesting story. I wanted to check on that a little more. And
1: it's a wonderful, it's a great place to go. Anybody that ever has a chance to attend a football game in Green Bay it should take it. Although, if it's a playoff game, I worked a championship game there one year when we kicked off at minus ten. So you have to be prepared. I do remember
0: it was probably about the coldest you I've been, and I'm be from prepared. Michigan, so I know about cold. University was, of
1: Michigan is another <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah,
0: that was uh, a. Of that's where Jim Harbaugh played, right? Yeah. Think, uh, uh, now, yeah. speaking of the playoff games, I I really noticed something that the games. Uh, we're on the same day as Dan Forsman won the 2012 Mitsubishi Electric Championship at Huala Lai. Did you get down to the tournament, you and Betty? Uh,
1: I was down, yes. Okay, we and enjoyed. were you there on the
0: weekend, or did you see him I win? Was, or?
1: I saw, no, because I was watching football oh, that okay. day. I, Betty went back. Okay. But I had to get my football fixed <laughs> and my golf fix, so I was jumping back and forth.
0: Well, I'm going to send you Dan Forsman's uh, comments to the media after he won. He came in the media room and sat for about 10, to 12 minutes and talked, and the the thing that really st- uh, stuck out for me was that he said the one thing he wanted to work on changing was his pre-shot routine. He said, "I want to be there when people see me from another fairway. They say that's Dan Forsman." He <laughs> said, "Right now, when it you know when I get in a situation like I was today, where I you know could win or you know fortunately he won, but he said I'm all over the place. I don't really, I don't have my routine done." And then the next day after Billy Billy Cud- Cundreth, uh-huh. Okay, after he missed his kick mm-hmm. One of his quotes was Somebody said I asked Kundiff what happened on the kick He said his sideline routine Was indeed a few seconds off mm-hmm. Which made him late getting onto the field sure. In the ensuing rush to line up the kit He didn't consider calling a timeout He sure. told himself to just hurry his routine and make it Instead of taking a deep breath And collecting myself Everything just kept speeding up, speeding up The mechanics of the operation mm-hmm. were just off a little bit and I thought it was really interesting that here was Dan Forsman, who had just won uh-huh. on the yeah. Champions Tour, the 2012 Mitsubishi Electric Championship at Hualalai. So he had right. to play some pretty good golf. And of course, he's had a, a nice career on the PGA Tour. And then an NFL player talking about the same thing—that free shot routine, that or what you know, that routine before the big moment. Comment on that. And did you have some of that yourself? What you'd have to, you know, talk to your team, oh, your sure. team of officials about.
1: Sure, I think both of those men, and it's interesting that both of those men are at the very top of their professions. Both of them are, and yet they recognize that there's something that they can do better. And in the case of a guy that misses the field goal, uh, obviously it costs his team because he just rushed his routine a little bit. And that was one of the things that uh, Jim Tunney taught me early on in my career, is he said, this business is a business of concentration and disciplines and you have to build a discipline so that it's so repetitive that when you get to a Super Bowl and at the time Jim said that to me I would never have dreamed that I would be there three times but when I got there I think I got there because of my disciplines and my routines and I think I got through three without a problem with the help of the good Lord, but that's how I got through them because regardless of the fact that the game was going to India and uh, New Zealand and uh, everywhere else in the world uh, and millions were watching on TV, you just repeat the same disciplines. What Take were the emotion some years? Okay. Oh, mine, my disciplines were all locked to concentration. Uh I mean, I had all these responsibilities when the team was in the huddle, I'm counting players. When the team is on their way to the line of scrimmage, I'm looking at who's eligible receivers and who are not eligible receivers. We have two clocks in pro football, a game clock and a play clock. I'm looking as they approach the line, is the play clock getting low? In other words, has he only got 5 seconds left or has he got 15 seconds Is the game clock running? Should it be running? Should it be off? I'm looking at the down marker. What down is it? Make sure I know what down it is. All of these disciplines are running through your mind all the time. Uh, and if you, if you vary from them, you better be careful, you're going to get burned. So it's a discipline, it's a discipline of your concentrations. Because when you are a player, which I used to be, you also have the physical side. But now that's over. Now this is the mental side and locking your eyesight and your brain in with what you're supposed and, and to see. And knowing
0: that's your routine. That's Just your like routine. if it's a golfer, and he's you, got his and the, the kicker you,
1: has his. Right. And if you miss, as, that, as Billy said, if you miss one thing that was part of the flow of your discipline, you might get burned. And unfortunately for him, and I feel so bad for him, but he he admitted afterward that he got out of the flow. Yeah,
0: I thought it you was know, a, great a very have, honest, uh, the candor yeah. of it was really, I, th- I learned a lot by reading uh, that, you know. The, the great golfers
1: have such beautiful
0: flow in their swings.
1: None of us have us that are amateur yeah. golfers. They have it. But you can imagine uh, a guy on the 18th green of winning a, a PGA event, And instead of flowing through the ball, kind of jerking through it or going through a little quick, well, it's the same principle. So we in the officiating business have disciplines, and if we don't follow them, the chances are we might get in trouble.
0: Yeah. So uh, when you re- we reflect back over the year now, now years and now fast forward, uh, what do you think? Like Roger Cadell, what do you how do you feel they're handling the the concussion issue? And oh. I thought he made an interesting comment was that all the studies they're doing a lot of that sure. is being used. The military is using a lot of that sure. about how to treat concussions and brain trauma. And oh,
1: they're all over it, which uh-huh. is a wonderful thing. And it's just not them. The colleges are involved in this. Uh, the government the government is involved in this uh It's a joint effort. Roger Goodell's doing a magnificent job. Uh, and I as a player played football with no face mask. and I was a center and I got oh. carried out of uh, New Orleans one time into the hospital and uh, against Notre Dame one time I ended up in their huddle instead of my own. because uh, Paul Horning was looking around and he had he had 11 green shirts, and there was one navy blue shirt in there. That was Bob, because he had no idea where he was, because he just got smashed
0: in, stayed in, in the, the game? nose
1: and didn't... Uh, no, they took me out of the okay, hall and sent me to the that. hospital. That's <laughs> oh, where I was wow. when they found me.
0: So you played center for the Naval Academy? yes. Yeah, well, I'm delighted to say that my good friend uh, Jimmy Flynn just walked in joined us for a moment. Hey, Jim. Hi, Jim. How you doing? <laughs> say a little about McElney. I think you guys have met in the past.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jim looks like he just played in a championship game because he's got a, uh, uh, a knee brace on. Right. Well, I think he's a little bit too old to play, but uh, there was a day I'll bet you right. that he was a pretty good player. But that's basketball. Another, that's another game. issue.
0: Hoops, that's, that's Hoops another, was his game. That's University, Wait, where'd you play basketball, Jim? University of Detroit. That's what I thought, where Spencer Hayward played, right? <laughs> And Dave DeBuscher. All right. So we we were just talking about uh, pre-shot routine. And Billy uh, Cunoff, was that his name? The, the The kicker uh, for the playoff game. He said he had gotten out of his routine. And I was saying it was the same thing that uh, Dan Forsman said when he won the Mitsubishi Electric Championship. He was going to work on his pre-shot routine next year. So whatever sport it is, how important it is, it's Black History Month. So, uh couple players that you admire that you might you know want to mention in terms of the Black History Month? Oh sure, Reg, Reggie
1: White like? uh, in my judgment was a great, great player and a wonderful man uh, always interested in trying to help other people uh, terrific guy, he and his wife Sarah uh, are just great people and I remember Roger Craig who was a fullback at uh, San Francisco for a number of years, what a neat Guy Roger Craig was. He was just a wonderful gentleman. But you know what? It's so hard to try to single out anybody. Uh-huh. Mike Quick from the Eagles, who does the radio with uh, Ron Jaworski and those guys back in Philly. A wonderful man. Oh, it's awful hard. To so
0: you were pretty close with your uh, uh, fellow referees. You were president of the referee, the NFL I Referee was, Association. Yes. How long did you?
1: Well, I did a term, uh-huh. a couple years. Yeah, and Jim Tunney did a term. We kind of, we all kind of tried to give back okay. by helping the guys out. Yes.
0: Now let's take a few moments to talk about Betty. How did how did it? Uh, you know, <laughs> every weekend you had your your heavy equipment business that you did during the week, and as we said earlier, you got on a plane on Friday nights and went off to. Right. to referee and as you were talking earlier sometimes taking the red eye coming back home and right. get ready for Monday but you transition out of the business world into really being disciplined and thinking right. and reading your rule book and and uh, I mean, Betty what a, what a hero she's been to she you she was
1: a saint because uh, a lot of people don't realize it but for seven months of the year the guys that do what I was doing have no weekends at all I mean once a guy start in training camp until the Super Bowl is over basically uh, our guys are working all week at their own job and then they hit the airplane on Saturday morning or earlier and they're gone, they come back Sunday Sunday night late or early Monday morning and off to the office, so the wives really kind of have to raise the kids and that's a very difficult time for them and the sacrifices that they made are kind of hidden sacrifices, but there's no way that I could have ever done it, ever done it, without my wife. So her reward is to come here in the winter to this beautiful place and enjoy the big island. And uh, she's just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. I, I got really lucky. Well, I, really I think lucky. you
0: both got very lucky. I've always loved you have a certain calmness to you. Of course, you're, you have a, a strong faith. I and uh, do. I think we have a, had a mutual friend you were in a Bible class with Perry. Yeah. Uh, I forgot Perry's last name. What was his last name? Uh, Ransom. Oh, Perry, Ran- Perry Percy Ransom. Ransom. Percy Ransom. Right. I just
1: saw him recently. Uh-huh. What a wonderful Christian gentleman! And Betty and I go to Uncle Billy's church up here in Waimea. Okay, I had a, that would be Uncle Billy
0: Mitchell from yes. down at Hualalai Resort. And, and he does. Such he was a on the show last week.
1: Wonderful job with the young people up there uh-huh. and trying to help them. Stay out of trouble with all the things that are out there today for youngsters that aren't good. Billy is fighting every step to try mm-hmm. to help them see the light and go in the right direction. Wonderful man and a great bunch of young Hawaiian folks up there. We really, really enjoy it. And, that. you
0: know, he's everywhere. He did the blessing for the Cow uh, and the pipeline. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's uh-huh. got a, an interesting background as far as uh, yeah. the surfers and everything. Yeah. So we're talking with Bob McAlee. Bob was a... Uh, uh, Football official for 41 years, 27 years with the NFL, one of a handful of referees that did three Super Bowls and the, the head referee mm-hmm. on a couple of them, right? And, uh, all of them. On all of them, the head was, referee. Okay, so you think you earned that accolade. <laughs> so, Bob, some, some last thoughts to our listeners?
1: Well, Some last thoughts. I, and, you know, just, I let me just say,
0: you've become such a big part of this community, too, <laughs> over the 20 <laughs> years you've come here when you talk about <laughs> going up to the church in Waimea. You haven't just been a visitor. You've oh, really become no. a part of the community, too.
1: My, my words would be very short, and that's I would just say that I would wish for any youngster who loves sports and is interested in it that they could be as lucky as I've had and had the experiences that I had. That's all. And for those who have never seen Hawaii, my last wish would be I hope you get the chance to come to this beautiful, beautiful place and meet these wonderful, wonderful people that are represented out here. And that's all I have to say. I've been, <laughs> well, I've been a lucky guy.
0: And one of these days we're going to get you down to the farm of Chick, Dinah, and Earl, the <laughs> Kunataki Ohana. There's 13 kids. They've been oh. on their land 92 years. But love to get you down there because I know you Thank would really you. appreciate that,
1: that local
0: much. lifestyle they have down there. They plant it. They pick it. They package the Viaja River mm-hmm. coffee. So hope you enjoy that. Thank you. James. Jim, got any questions for Bob? <laughs>
1: Off the air. Off the air. Okay. All right. That's, that's the most intelligent statement that's been made since you so turned that I microphone So I just
0: on. have to say I I love you know Jim and Nancy Flynn here from Detroit, my hometown, and uh, it's great. Uh, Detroit's just getting a lot of a lot of good people are saying nice things about Detroit these days. Yeah, it's it's, on it. it's really good to see in two winning teams. And did you ever know Jack Berry, sports writer in Detroit?
1: No, I did not. We kind of didn't get involved with the sports uh-huh. writers. You know, we kind of did our Thing but uh, Detroit's a great city and uh, they're banging away at it. Yeah, they're coming back.
0: And they what a great inspiration to everybody in the town, right, Jim? Yeah. So important for the morale of the city and to have two yeah. winning teams right now. Of course, Prince Fielder now being a part of Detroit t- Tigers is, yeah, is a great and those, thing. So and those
1: Lions are getting better. Oh, yeah, they are getting better. They have a great and great young quarterback and a bunch of really fine young players. And Matt Stanford has better. really
0: gotten into the community, hasn't he, Jim? Yeah. He's really embraced the fact that he's a Detroiter. So, Bob McElvey, it's always a pleasure every year to sit down and chat with you. And I hope we get to see our friend Joe Theismann this year. Jim, have you been in touch with him? Do you know if he's coming? Nancy, do you know? He's not coming? I don't don't know. Oh, okay. (laughs) We all want to take two bucks from him. And you New Jersey. Joe grew up in New Jersey. So did he you? He was northern New Jersey. But you never officiated one Jersey. of his high school games or anything? <laughs> no, no, I never did. I'm, one of his la- games? I'm laughing.
1: No. Yeah. Joe was, Joe's a great talent and a great friend, and we miss him. He used to come over here, as you know. Yeah. But he was a North Jersey football player. I was a South Jersey football player. And uh, there's kind of a line across the center of New Jersey, and that's kind of the way it...
0: But kind of like Detroit, you still got that... That grittiness to you that I love, you know, that is different from a lot of other cities. So, I'm glad you got a chance to say hello to Jim and Nancy. My
1: so pleasure
0: to be. Here. This is the Emily T. Gale you, Show here on ESPNHawaii.com. Again, always a pleasure to speak with Bob McElwee every year when he comes to Maunalei Resort to visit. And I wish he and Betty uh, some great cruise time now as they head off into the to singapore and he gives some talks on the the cruises i'm sure the people love them because they're they're both a lot of fun so it's the emily t gale show here on ESPNHawaii.com. com. want to mention a couple of events coming up uh, the lava man waikaloa uh, sunset 5k fun run walk i'd hope to get with susan nixon um she's doing a lot of this with the Lava Kids and the Sunset Run. But um, it's presented by BikeWorks Beach and Sport. It's a fundraiser for PATH, a start and finish at Queen's Marketplace, Waikoloa Beach Resort. Waikoloa Beach Resort, longtime supporter of the MIT Gale Show, and I sure appreciate that. And all the fun things they do at Queen's Marketplace, a lot of activities there. Ukulele Festival was just fantastic a few weeks ago, but every day, every evening, it seems like they've got something going on there. And uh, nice, nice crowd at the ukulele festival, and just a real good feeling over at Queen's Marketplace and and uh, King Shops too. Uh, doing a lot of nice things. So uh, again, Lava Man Sunset 5K Fun Run Walk presented by White Bike Works on Friday, March 22nd, five fifteen start. Uh, Benefit for Path Bike Safety Education Program and the 2000. Uh, uh, 13 Bike Works uh, Starbucks Ride Team. So, raising money to fight multiple sclerosis. Okay, registration. Uh, you can register and uh, check in right at Bike Works on Friday, March 22nd, or you can register in person right now in Kona or at the Bike Works Beach and Sport at Queens Marketplace. I'd say do that. It's always good for the uh, organizers if people are registered and ready to go and stuff like that. So, uh, souvenir Lava Man towels while supplies last. And you can also go online to PATH and get an entry form there. Or lavamantriathlon.com. Let's see. The Lava Kids. Okay, that's on Friday, March 22nd. The Lava Kids the next day. And um, the registration again, go to go to Lava Man Triathlon. Uh, it's actually a Lava Kids Youth Aquathon, which is swimming and uh, running, no biking. So a big hit last year, really popular, uh, great turnout, well-organized, some good support from, you know, people like Starbucks and Jamba Juice and stuff. It, it was really nice. The kids got Goody Package, and that is, uh, again, go to lava LavaManTriathlon.com for those entry forms. Also, Kaitu Canoe Club is having their first annual golf tournament on Saturday, April 6th at the Kona Country Club. And you can reach somebody in regards to that at oh boy, I had a number for them. go to kaitu's uh website, and I really want to lend support to them. I just love that club uh because when I first moved here, richard's mom and dad wow, how they were so wonderful to uh with that club and as the kim Kim-tete family has done such a wonderful job, so you can call here to seven six nine one three oh nine seven six nine one three oh nine kaitu.org kaitu is K-A-I-E-H-I-T-U and if you have not been down to Kohananiki and the beach access really I think it's uh, um, it's starting it's blending nicely and kudos to everybody that works so hard on behalf of all of us in the community um, so as we wrap up the show I also want to give a big mahalo to uh, Kalei TV Channel 6 Hawaii's Aloha Station love working with Chip Begay Getting some things on, on there in the talk story. And um, what a. They got getting some nice programming, but they do run news every every evening. And also the talk story follows some of the news, I think, two days a week and then on Sundays. But my favorite is um, 808 Keiki TV. That's my favorite. Or Keiki 808 TV. And it's Chips uh, Keiki. Dakota, Dallas, and Cheyenne are the hosts, and boy, are they ever good. So wonderful this week. They've got uh, The Invention. They've got some Wizard of Oz from up from the Aloha Theater. And what a beautiful job that was done up there at Aloha Theater. I went and saw the play with my friend Shikunataki. It was just Jerry, Tracy, everybody. Carol Connor did the costumes and everybody that helped her. And fun to see people's kids in it. You know, William Wong and his wife and their kids were in it. And then it was unbelievable production. So um, kudos to Aloha uh, Performing Arts and uh, Aloha Theater for a great, th- what, three weeks I think that ran. I couldn't believe the energy that, that was put into it. It was a three-hour show, but it, it really moved along nicely. So, and also uh, my friend Timo down at the wine market, go to conewineclub.com, sign up for their newsletter, and they have a wine tasting every Friday at Kona Commons. Timo also an associate at Kohala State Realty. So we have some nice listings at Kohala State Realty, and a nice one at 49 Black Sands Beach, Lotus Gold, and has that. And just, you know, getting familiar with the resort, we're all bike riders, Lotus, Timo, myself, if you want to bring your bike out, we'll give you a little, a tour of a lot of the properties, just where they are, getting a feeling for Montalani. Camilo's building again, Um, the the villages at Montalani, the fairways, a lot of nice properties, the islands, some nice uh, places in the islands, and any event, uh, you can go to Emily's org and find uh, me there, and I'll fill you in on what's going on as far as the, the Kohala State, Kohala uh, Coast, and uh, timo Lotus, uh, Cindy, all of us Kaleo, and we're all there to try to be helpful. So it's the Emily T Gale Show here on ESPN Hawaii It's so great. It is a busy time right now. Tourism is up. Uh, people rentals are busy. Um, our Kohala State Realty rental program, busy, busy, and people are already booking for next year. Uh, that's a happy thing to hear, and I hear from a lot of visitors that see my column in the Aloha Visitor Guides, which is in the newsstands, or not in the newsstands, but in the hotel rooms. It's on the newsstands everywhere, everywhere, in Big Island, Kauai, Oahu, and Maui, but they're in the hotel rooms on all the islands, and they have a TV guide, people like that, but they have a lot of updated information and calendar of events, so uh, you know, even if you're looking to get your name out there to uh, visitors, that's a nice magazine to think about. It's also one to pick up and hand to your visiting friends because it is quite comprehensive. One of the older magazines in the islands and my well, one of my longest supporters of the Emily T. Gale show. So I I appreciate their support. And I appreciate having watched them grow over the years. Um, Reminder again, stop by and see Dinah up next to Paul's Place in Halualoa for some Viaja River Coffee, 100% Kona Coffee, winners of the People's Choice Awards more than once in the Halualoa Art and Coffee Stroll, and um, the, right next to Paul's Place across from the post office and the Halualoa Gallery, a lot of really sweet galleries and some restaurants up there in Halualoa. Um Let's see what else we got. Some nice guests coming up. I happened to run into Merv Lopes recently, and uh, who is Merv Lopes? I some many of you might be saying, and many of you do know, but I'm just going to read you a paragraph here. I had a, a, nice, a cup of coffee with Merv. Ran into him at the Cow Cow Depot up here in Michael Village. We sat down and grabbed a cup of coffee, and here's what. Uh, just Googling something, the first thing that comes up is, in December 1982, Lopes led Tiny NAIA Chaminade in what is arguably considered the greatest college basketball upset in history. The Silver Swords defeated number one-ranked Virginia with three-time NCAA Player of the Year, 7-foot, 4-inch Ralph Sampson. His teams would also defeat perennial national-ranked powers Louisville twice and SMU in the early 80s and pick up the nickname Giant Killers. So Merv is a very quiet, talks very gently, and oh, we we must have sat for an hour or more and told stories and philosophical about life and his that era. He's still coaching. He goes to China, yeah, China. And it was just a fascinating conversation. So we're going to get Merv on in the next couple of weeks. And I love stories like that, the history of things and, and people talking about their stories and where they came from and where the players that he had, where they yeah. came from. So looking forward to that. Um, it's the Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPNHawaii.com Hawaii dot com. Uh, kudos to Wycliffe Beach Resort. First of all, thanks for their longtime support, but they've really done a nice job incorporating their club memberships. Anybody can be a member out there, but I had somebody, uh, uh, Kelly, the other day, or Carrie, Carrie and Claire, they're members out there and uh, homeowners and they were talking about the club championship and the, the little the, uh, the special events they've been having. And congrats to, to Carrie for uh, being runner-up. But they're enthusiastic people that are the club members, and I think it's a nice thing that they, they've done is to shape a club membership that's open to people that live at Waikoloa Beach Resort or otherwise, so open to everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPNHawaii.com. You can find me at org and... Um, About a bunch of different things. I appreciate you taking a visit there. Take care.